I want to go ahead and, and just jump immediately into something significant. And it's something that I think we can all resonate with. And it's kind of like, oh, do we, do we really need to take a Sunday morning on this? Uh, I, I just, I, I believe it's important. And it's something that we see everywhere. Uh, I, I was going to say, as soon as you hop on the internet, as soon as you hop on social media, you just see fear everywhere. But now, really, it's, it's gotten so difficult, it's gotten so bad, that you could just be walking by someone, and they're talking about things that are just scary, right? Because there are, there's just fear everywhere, there are headlines everywhere, you know, there is war over there, there's terrorism over here, and then you have just the fear that's happening and going on in our personal lives. Uh, I, I think of uh, you know, growing up and, and hearing more and more about millennials and, and different things, I, I kept hearing and seeing articles being written about how, you know, millennials, they, they are basically the trash generation. They're not getting anything done, basically. This is what I would always read. Uh, you know, at this point in their lives, they have almost no savings. Uh, at this point in their lives, they have astronomically more debt than any other generation, you know, like, like all these like terrible things. And I remember a couple of years ago, I think a millionaire uh, wanted to solve the problem. And he said, I have some advice for millennials who are fearful of becoming homeowners because, you know, it was like an all-time low for a generation buying homes. And he, I guess he thought, I can solve this. And his literal advice was, if you want to buy a home and not be so afraid of buying a home, I'm not making this up, stop buying avocado toast. You thought there'd be more to it, didn't you? No. That was it. That was the big aha moment. I mean, if only all fear could be cured by walking away from avocado toast. Too bad my wife makes it really well. No, now listen, fear, it really is, it, it is everywhere. Fear is, is all around us, whether we want to acknowledge it or not. Uh, and it may surprise you, I actually have a few irrational fears, because just so you know, there, there is healthy fear, okay? And there is unhealthy fear. I think, I think healthy fear, you even want to instill in your children. Hey, don't go play in the street. Healthy fear, right? Hey, don't talk to random people on the internet. Definitely don't give out our home address. You know, like, like there's healthy fear, right? You don't want to make them so scared and skittish about everything, but again, healthy. Well, I have some unhealthy fear in my life, and you've heard this phrase as irrational fears. Um, and as best, I'll tell you what they are in one second. Seriously, this week, I was really reflecting on them. And I thought there has to be a childhood trauma attached to this. I mean, that's what everyone says, right? And, and there has to be something else attached to my irrational fears. And I really, I sat with it and I came up with nothing. Um, I was, I mean, I was mauled by a dog when I was eight or nine years old. And I don't have a fear of dogs. But these other things, for some reason, anyway, let me get to it. The first one, I just, I have an irrational fear. At a certain point, heights, they just... I'm done. Uh, look how tall our ceilings are for a moment. Well, some of us got up pretty high and painted. I tried once, and Nick Ray and Ryan Coots realized he's no good up here. Uh, let's get him down on the ground where he can just like paint next to a window or something. 
you know, like, like we have a TV monitor in the back that, you know, one day we'll use, maybe in a decade, and I helped mount it, but the whole time, this is me, you know, just being the worst. I don't know, just at a certain point, heights, they do it in for me. Um, and yeah, I went skydiving, and that was fun. But, so heights. Uh, the second one, again, I don't understand this. Small enclosed spaces, right? Yeah, I, I, I think some of us can relate. I don't know if there's just a sense of claustrophobia that kind of overwhelms me at times. Uh, but, you know, you watch those YouTube videos of people caving, and they're crawling on their belly, you know? I'm kind of done. No, I'm good. And third one, last one, just this irrational fear. As you can probably tell, I'm a chatty person, okay? Uh, and I love making small talk. It's, it's what I'm really good at. I love making small talk. And uh, it's, it's when I encounter needles, when I know they're going into me. Uh, it's like I'll, I'll just be talking to the doctor, the nurse, whatever, and as soon as they walk in with the needle, I'm like, <sighs> I start sweating, you know? And it's kind of, uh, what do they call it? It's like the ugly sweating. You know, you're just like, oh, this is so bad. Like, I don't get it. So, and those things have just kind of always stuck with me. And, and I don't know what it is, but maybe you can relate. You have some irrational fears, right, uh, that are out there. Maybe for you, it's, it's public speaking. Maybe, maybe it's, it's, it's something else. But, you know, there's just some things that just get to you. And there are others that kind of come and go, depending on the season of life, right? Like randomly in sixth grade, thanks to a teacher, I had a fear that the world was going to stop rotating. I just did. He said, did you know if the world stops rotating, we're going to fly miles? And I was like, I don't need this. Ruined my spring break, I remember. Um, you know, and, and certain things, again, they're just seasonal. Like, I remember I had the fear of missing out in middle school, you know, FOMO. Uh, and uh, praise God, grew out of that by high school. But, you know, there are other irrational fears that come and go. Some stick with you. Um, and you may have fears like that too, okay? Um, now, kind of to this point, those haven't been that serious, right? Those are kind of like situational things. Um, but for some of us, there, there is real fear though, okay? I don't want to just say, hey, it's all, it's all this. There's real fear, okay? Some of us, we suffer from a profound fear of failure. Or, or maybe for some of us, we have a significant fear of feeling forgotten, or that we feel like we can't be vulnerable, we can't open up because we've been hurt before. There are plenty of others, so let's be real. Fear is normal. It's a normal part of life. That's what I'm trying to say, okay? I'll use myself as the example, but what I'm trying to say, fear is normal. It comes, it goes, sometimes it stays. And what I think is, is very interesting, very strange about fear, is that in the life of Jesus, he had fear. And it wasn't something small and insignificant, but he had deep fear that the Gospels record. And so we're going to look at that today uh, as, as, as we get into the sermon. Uh, and for a few weeks now, we have been examining different elements of Jesus' life that make him so relatable to us humans. We call it scars, right? Yes, Jesus is God, and yes, Jesus was human. The fact that Jesus experienced hurt and exhaustion and grief, and anger, and a lot more. And today, we're going to look at how he experienced fear. And that's what we've been talking about for weeks now. And, and that Jesus, being human, is real. And he has the scars to prove it. 
And so Jesus is so relatable. Uh, so today our sermon title is Practice What You Preach. And I'm going to give it my best try, just so you know. Imperfectly, we're going to give it a go. Because usually when, when you open your Bible and you read Jesus, you read a story about Jesus, you see that he's always in a position of teacher or rabbi. But today in our text, Jesus, he isn't really in that position as he has the worst day of his life coming. The worst moment in his life is almost here in the story. And while he is still, well, while he is still fully God and he carries that authority, he was human like you and I. And Jesus was afraid. But thankfully for us, Jesus practiced what he'd been preaching. Okay? So turn with me over to Matthew 26, as it involves Jesus' fear of his unique and terrible death. Uh, we will unpack it a bit, but we will also work today to understand fear a bit better in our own lives, because I think a lot of us have a misguided view of fear. I mean, this week I began looking up different things on fear, and you all would be astounded at how many best-selling books are written about killing all fear. Destroy fear, annihilate all fear. There are TED Talks, motivational speeches, songs written about having no fear, but I'm not convinced that they are all that helpful. I, because I think you can be afraid and still be a good parent. I think you can be afraid and still get up every day and go to work. I think you can be scared and still be committed to your marriage. Believe it or not, y'all, I think you can be afraid and still raise your hands in worship. I think you can be afraid and pray boldly. I think you can be afraid and have a relationship with God. It doesn't make you dysfunctional, it makes you human. And so you are allowed to feel that fear, but we need a healthy understanding of that fear. We're going to look at how Jesus did this. But here's what I mean. Here is our big idea today. I'm going to come back to it. You should see it on the screen. If you're taking notes, write it down or take a picture of this. Here's the thing. Fear is not something to be annihilated. It just isn't. It's not something to just be killed out of your life, to be taken out of your life. Fear is not something to be annihilated, but understood and it's only when you understand it that then you can overcome it. And that will make sense as we go. Hopefully, if I'm a decent enough preacher, it'll make sense to you, okay? But fear, honestly, it's, it's often treated, especially in culture and society, and even in, in, in Christian culture and churches. Fear is like treated like baby teeth, you know? Like, you'll grow out of it, you know? Like, like it's childish. Oh, you're just on the shallow end of the pool, you know? Like, once you understand these greater concepts, you will have no fear. And that is unhelpful, number one. That's bad theology. Um, and, and it's just, it's untrue. And so if, if I'm being really honest with you, don't throw rocks at me, maybe save it for the end. If I'm being really honest, I wouldn't have any faith if I weren't afraid. What use is faith if I am unafraid? I mean it. Why would I need faith if I were never scared? And so I hope my honesty today is, a, is, is helpful to you because maybe for you today, you're denying yourself some essential lessons, some essential 
uh, important things that you need to learn, if you would accept that you get scared sometimes and that you don't have all the answers. I want to pray before we jump into Matthew 26. Will you pray with me? Uh, Heavenly Father, I, uh, you know, jokes aside and little anecdotes aside, um, God, we, we come with great purpose, and that is to know you, to hear from you, to understand you better. And so, Father, I pray for those who think and believe maybe that, that well, I'm not afraid. Uh, God, that, that you would pierce through that, and you would reveal to us the truth. Because when we're really honest, we can admit when we're afraid. We can admit when we are insecure. We can admit these things because it makes us reliant on you. We are not in control. And so maybe that's what we use to convince ourselves. Maybe that's what I use to convince myself that I'm not afraid. But God, we are not in control. And life gets hard. Life gets difficult. And things come up. So, so may we learn some things from Jesus today about how he worked with his fear that ultimately led him to stepping into his holy purpose. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. So at this point in the story, uh, Matthew 26, we're going to start in verse 36, but at this point, just to put it in context for you, uh, Jesus, he comes from the Passover meal with the disciples, Okay. He tells Peter, hey man, you're going to deny me three times. And then Jesus takes these men to a garden to pray. Let's pick up in verse 36. We'll read the first few verses here. Uh, the Bible says, Then Jesus went with them to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to his disciples, Sit here while I go over there and pray. And taking with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, he began to be sorrowful and troubled. And he said to them, My soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch with me. And going a little farther, he fell on his face and prayed, saying, My father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. And so, I don't know, as, as I read that, and, 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 I, and I did a little deep dive on, on some Greek this week just to try to get an idea of what Jesus is really going through. This, honestly, it just sounds a whole lot like anxiety to me. And so for us in English, a synonym for that could be fear. And, and fear just causes so much sorrow and so much trouble. And so we're going to continue with this exchange that Jesus has with his disciples and his prayer to his father. But I want to say this first thing really quick, some good advice just immediately here. If you look at those verses again, notice Jesus, he doesn't go alone. And he doesn't put his fear out for all to see. He doesn't put it on display, right? So, so don't give everyone a front row seat to your fear and your pain, but also don't you dare go it alone. I mean, if, if you look at this, you can almost picture it. Jesus had his disciples with him, uh, minus, minus Judas, who was already out, you know, uh, uh, betraying him. But Jesus had the rest of the disciples with him, and, and the Bible says that, that he brought them. And then at a certain point, he says, wait here, except you three. Come on in with me. Come on in with me. 
you all come along. If that's not a great representation of small groups, I don't know what is, honestly. Jesus, you know, yes, he's part of a small group, but even within that group, he had a smaller group, right? Um, but here's the thing, that Jesus, he didn't, he didn't outright do this alone. And you think to yourself, like, oh, but Jesus is God. Yes, yes, you're right. And he's human. And he knows who needed to come in with him a bit further. Now, listen, don't miss this. Look, look, verse, uh, make sure I get it right. Verse 39. It says, going a little farther, he fell on his face. Going a little farther, he fell on his face. And he says, my father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, not as I will, but as you will. Again, put it in your mind. Jesus, he's near these three. He's maybe next to them. But Matthew, the the gospel writer, he thought it was important to include this little phrase. Going a little farther, meaning Jesus, he literally, get it in your head for a sec. Jesus, he prayed. He then gets up and he goes a little farther. And I just think that's a word for somebody today. That, that, That maybe the very thing you have been praying for, the very thing you walked to Gethsemane for, the thing that you brought your closest friends in to help you with still isn't enough. And fear, it can paralyze you into staying where you're at. Or like Jesus, it will move you farther toward God. I think we all need to go just a little farther. Are you with me? I think we all need to go just a little farther toward God today. And you know what? It may mean that you look silly. Jesus falls down on his face to pray brutal prayers. So why are we holding back? Why do we think we don't, we don't need to enter into that? Oh God, I'm, I'm further along than that. No, in times of crisis, in times of fear, in times of anxiety, why don't we humble ourselves the way that Jesus is? Because, you know, for him, this, is, this really is a matter of life and death. I think we all need to go a little bit farther. I think we all need to go a little bit farther. Because no matter what gives you fear, God meets you in Gethsemane. You just need to go to Gethsemane. And listen, following God, it makes you look silly, okay? Uh, I remember when my wife and I, we bought our first home. And it was, it was this nice little home. And we were so excited. We were broke, and that bank actually gave us a loan. I couldn't believe it. It was amazing, and God was with us. But that first week, it didn't feel like he was with us, if I'm being honest. We bought that house. Maybe this is a word of warning for (laughs) y'all. If someone's thinking, I want to buy a house, the word of the Lord, here it comes. I say that kidding, kind of. We buy this house. Uh, Within seven days, within seven days, okay, the side yard completely flooded. We got a termite infestation, and all the air conditioning, the whole unit went out. It was done, beyond repair. And so going, going farther toward God makes you look silly sometimes. And while I was the one you know, working to bring money in to afford the house, the house brought on so much more fear and instability because we didn't have anything in savings. Again, I'm blaming the bank, not me. Uh, they loaned me the money, right? But it brought on so much fear and instability. 
And so I don't know what to do. And so, listen, I'm, I'm an old Baptist boy, okay? I don't usually do these sorts of things. I literally started doing laps around the house, praying out loud in broad daylight. I couldn't stop. I just was like, God, I know, I've read this in the Bible, you know, somewhere, where if you just walk around, and if I just pray, I think it's around the sixth time something should happen, and maybe if I keep it up, maybe those termites are going to magically, you know, fly out. Maybe this water's going to evaporate. I haven't been keeping track. How many is this? I'm getting dizzy. I think one more. And so, I just kept at it. I kept at it. I kept at it. I kept circling and circling and circling. And I was praying, and I was believing I'm going to see these termites gone. And, and, and the side yard, it's going to, the water's going to be evaporated. Our air conditioning is going to start sputtering on that seventh time. You know, as I walk around, it's going to happen. It did not happen. I pulled down that thing to the attic. Those termites met me in my face. The devil's trying to get me, you know. I say that because, like, I mean, have you ever been in that spot? You have maybe fallen on your face. You are petitioning God for change, right? Change my situation. And you know, uh, I know we're young now, but at one point we were younger. And I'm naive now, but man, you should have known me back then. And, and we had two little boys and everything, and it was a big deal. And it just felt like we were out of control. And that I had made, you know, a poor choice, a bad investment. And there was nothing else to fall back on. And I was just so scared and afraid. And you know, again, I wish I could stand up here and say it was that seventh turn, those termites left. That water was gone. Or that AC kicked on. Or that creepy barn did something else. I don't know. I I wish I could stand up here and say the miraculous took place and I witnessed it. I can't. That didn't happen. But something began inside of me, though. Like, there was something that took place inside of, of me because circling my home, in the moment I feel like an idiot, but it, you know, circling my home, it did help me embrace a greater resolve and made me completely reliant on God because I had $200 in the bank and a loan coming and all these problems. Jesus, I don't doubt, felt ridiculous. And yet Jesus still goes a little farther. And he falls on his face. And in 2016, I'm circling this dumb farmhouse, asking God, make it make sense. And again, no, those, those miracles that I was praying for, they didn't happen. But God did something, and I mean it, miraculous inside of me. And so what if the miracle that you are praying for right now, God changed my situation, what if it's not a miracle that you need at all? What if God's doing something different for you? What if it's resolved? I mean, what if you look ridiculous and fall on your face? What if you look silly and you circle your house? What if you petition and pray that God would change your current situation? Take it away. Do something else. But God is more interested in seeing you step into something only faith could accomplish. So Jesus prays. If you don't know what he's saying, why is Jesus about to die and he's praying about a cup what is Jesus talking about just so you know Jesus is essentially saying I want out if there is another way give me another way take this cup and give me another 
And the truth is God essentially tells Jesus no. And like a good parent, we need to hear no sometimes. And that's terrible. Like it doesn't feel good. I don't think Jesus felt good in Gethsemane. But that's where he was. And sometimes we need to hear no. No, that's not your purpose. No, that's not why you're here. You are here for my purposes, not your own. And then Jesus, he, he, he gets up and he, and he goes to the disciples and he chastises them because he's like, y'all fell asleep? Come on, guys, come on. Be here with me. And then he goes away in verse 42. Again, for the second time, he went away and prayed, my father, if this cannot pass unless I drink, your will be done. Jesus ultimately says, I have a way I would like this to go right now. But if it can't go that way, I submit to you. And so this is why I titled today's sermon, Practice What You Preach, because Jesus had been preaching about the kingdom of God and to choose faith in the face of fear, to choose God over yourself. And what does Jesus do? He practices what he's been preaching. But he didn't get there without being honest. My life may be falling apart, but I choose faith. It's hard for me to believe right now, but I choose faith. I'm facing death, and I know God could change the outcome, but even if he doesn't, I choose faith. I don't, I, I don't believe that the fear that Jesus had magically went away because he's human. I know what that's like, and you know what that's like. I mean, imagine, imagine having this sort of posture where you just say, I'm, I'm full of fear right now, but I'm going to choose faith. Imagine have that, having that sort of posture when you panicked and you were full of fear, that you would still say, it's not about me, it's not about my feelings, or what I think this should look like, because God, I trust you. I'm full of fear, but I trust you. I mean, I, I don't know what it is you could be facing, but it's It's difficult. And as is true with everything, our relationship with fear, it requires balance. And Jesus, he demonstrates it just brilliantly. He doesn't run from it. He completely embraces it and falls on his face. Fear isn't something to be annihilated. That toxic positivity. Nope, I'm great. I'm fine. Just keep swimming. I'm good. Things are good. Things are fine. Just keep swimming. That's not what's happening, is it? Fear is not something to be annihilated. It's something to be understood. And it's only when you understand it that then you overcome it. Jesus chooses to understand the will of his Father. And in doing so, he overcomes this fear. And fear, I don't doubt, is still present, but he has enough faith to surpass his fear. And that is what we call courage. I mean, I think of the heroes, right, who ran into those buildings on 9-11. Do you think they were scared? But what triumphed that fear? It was the courage to help. It was the courage to be there for other people. 
Why do we think Jesus is different? That somehow he wasn't afraid. He was afraid. But that's what courage is. Courage is not the absence of fear, but courage is simply knowing that something else is more important. You cannot have faith without fear. If you truly had no fear, then why would you need faith? Why would you need that in your life? And so Jesus, with conflicting emotions, and this is what makes Jesus even better, with conflicting emotions, he still shows obedience. I have conflicting emotions all the time. And I don't want to choose obedience. But Jesus does. And so us today, with sitting here with conflicting emotions, we can still choose trust. We can still choose obedience. Why? Because I don't mean to do a bait and switch on you. But I'm not sure this story is about fear as much as it's about prayer, as much as it's about trust, as much as it's, tr it's truly about surrender. I think that's what we're, we're, we're getting here. That Jesus, he knew what he had to do. And when the time came, he started wondering, is there a less awful way to go about this? And he's just brutally honest. Why do we think that we need to avoid that? Why do we think that's weakness? Why do we think, no, I'm, I'm just going to act like it's not there? The elephant in the room, I'm going to act like I don't see it. I think we need to turn and face those fears because it helps us understand it and it helps us overcome our fears. The story isn't so much about fear, but it's about surrender. And Jesus, he surrenders to the will of his Father. And this truth, it sunk deeply into Jesus because he was afraid, but even more than that, he was courageous. His fear was real, but he submitted to his Father's plan. It was, it was more important than his fear. And God's purpose for your life is bigger than your fear. No, it won't magically or miraculously go away every time. You can circle your house seven times praying and pleading to God, and you won't see the miraculous take place. But something inside of you begins to shift. Something inside of you takes root. And I call that faith. I call that obedience. And so, church, the simple truth is that we are all afraid of something. We are all scared. It's just who we are. We're human. And, and honestly, if you can't admit that you are scared, then I think you are the one who's afraid of failure. <laughs> uh, you're, ironically, the one who looks weak. And you're afraid of larger things. The truth is we are all afraid. And, and something that, that I just continue to learn is that there's not necessarily a pinnacle to this where one day through enough, enough prayer, through enough therapy, through enough whatever, I'm never afraid ever again. I have a relationship with you. I have a relationship with my kids. I know myself. I'm human. But again, it's not about resisting fear. Fear itself is not sin. It is, it's who we are. It's part of, of what comes, just being a human. But the difference is not living in fear. We don't, we, don't, we don't just live in fear and just say, woe is me. This is terrible and, and everything's always awful. And everything. It should never become your identity. But it is something to be understood and overcome. 
We are all afraid of something. Maybe you feel like you, maybe you've lost your purpose. And you think, well, I'm not afraid of that. But you keep yourself really busy. Because sitting with the thought of it, scary. Or maybe you're afraid of the world that your kids are growing up in. Do you know what they're teaching in schools? Do you know what culture says this and that? Do you know, do you know, do you know? It's scary. Maybe you're afraid of your own worth. So earning everyone's favor Earning God's favor in some weird way. You think that it's possible. You convince yourself that it's possible. We're, we're very motivated by fear as, as a species. But I would argue that it is only when we actually face those fears. It's only when we are truly honest with ourselves. When we're honest, it is only in our fear that we will find the courage to actually face it. Because I don't think it takes any courage to be in denial. There are plenty of people walking around in denial. I don't think that takes any courage. But to, to enter into Gethsemane and to be brutally honest with your maker, that takes courage. But Jesus, listen, he kept at it. Look at this, verse 44. Look at this. So leaving them again, he went away and prayed a third time. <laughs> and then, the, here, here's the, the, key, the key word. Saying the same words again. It wasn't that Jesus knew, well, you know what? I bet if I, I, bet if I pray differently, it'll, it'll happen this time. I bet if I pray better prayers. Can you imagine Jesus thinking that? No. But what was Jesus? He was persistent. So he went again. And he went again. And so maybe for you, you need to go again. It's scary. I don't want to be honest. I don't want that. I don't want to face that thing. Go again. Pray again. Petition God again. Bring people with you and pray again and go again. Because sometimes your feelings don't believe the truth that your heart knows. Sometimes your feelings don't really follow what you know to be true. So you go back again and you go back again and you go back again. Because God will meet you in Gethsemane. Now, how does Jesus ultimately respond to all of this? Okay, we can talk about how Jesus, how Jesus had conflicting things going on in his in his mind and his heart. I don't doubt it. He's human, conflicting emotions. He was scared, whatever. But how does all this end? What did Jesus ultimately do? Right? Because notice he wasn't saying, "God, make me bold." God cast this fear out as far as the east is from the west. That sounds churchy, right? It sounds good. That's not what he's saying. He's honest. And he goes back, right? And then he goes back again. He's honest. And then this is how it all ends. Verse 45. Uh, I, I want to invite the worship team on up. Verse 45. Then he came to the disciples and he said to them, sleep and take your rest later on. The hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. My betrayer is at hand. Jesus steps into this holy purpose. I don't doubt that fear is present, but more importantly, so is his Father. The Spirit of God is with him. And so you are allowed to come to our church and not have all the answers. You are allowed to be here 
and be a conflicted person, to feel like a walking contradiction, to feel at times you're living a double life because you may say one thing, but you do something else. I think one of the authors of the Bible had something similar to say about that. We're human. We really are. We're, 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 walk, we're walking contradictions. But you know, while we may be scared and we may be fearful at times, we have the Spirit of God. If you call yourself a believer, if you call yourself a Christian, we have the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit that is with us. And so church, I don't, I don't want to pull any punches with us today. I think for some of us, we, we need to have it out. Maybe we need to come to God and we just need to be really honest. We just need to pray honestly. And so wherever you are at today, I think that's, I think that's true of us all. If we, if we feel like we're at a mountaintop, things are going great. If we feel like we're somewhere in the valley or we're somewhere in between, I think we would all benefit from more honest prayers, don't you? And so I, I, I want us to take this time to do that, uh, to not just sit and reflect, but to then go boldly as Jesus says, rise. The time is now. Maybe you're not at that point yet. That's okay. Go pray again. Go petition God again. Go back into Gethsemane again on your face. Or maybe you're somewhere where you can say, rise, let's go. Let's do this thing. I'm a walking contradiction, but God is good. I may be full of fear, but God is good, right? I may have anxiety, but God is good. I may not know where my, ne my next meal is coming. But God is good. So, Father, we pray right now. We, we, just, we just come with conflicting emotions right now, even. And maybe for some of us, we, we don't know what to do at this point. We, we don't know what you're asking of us to do. I think it's simple. I think we just need to be honest. We need to be sincere. And so maybe we've been playing a part, wanting to look apart. And in doing so, we find ourselves distant from you, from your heart. So, Father, I pray today we would recognize something's amiss here. I'm not okay. I need to be, I need to be back in sync with the creator of the universe. And so maybe, maybe we're clothing it as like, oh, I'm just going through a tough time or, you know, it's, it's a, it's a dry season or I'm just struggling with, you know, doubt. Um, God, the, the undercurrent I think is just fear. So God, help us sift these things and recognize that you've walked this out too. You have been in a conflicted place. You have been fearful, but
but you overcame. And much the same. We believe the miraculous. We believe in and, and want to see the miraculous. But also, God, what are you wanting to speak to us? What are you wanting to create inside of us today? Is it a greater sense of, of, of faith? Is it a humble submission to what you would have for our lives and not what we want for our lives? Whatever that is, meet us in this place. In Jesus' name, amen.